is up, everybody? Welcome back to First Sound Rundown, where we give you a holistic view of the world of sports. Whether you're a casual fan or an avid fan, this is the place for you. We're your two hosts. I'm Hayden Vozar. He's Matt Vozar. Today is Wednesday, September 6th. It is our second episode of September, and we're already off to a great start. This is actually our last football preview of the year. So episode nine of season four, we've had nine preview episodes. I hope you guys have appreciated them because we put a lot of time into them. This is one of the parts of the year that we do our most research. Other parts of the year, we kind of just talk about hot topics. And then sometimes we do like a research episode or high research episode. But all of these, at least for me and for Matt too, but Matt does his research through listening to other podcasts mainly and sort of reading, but mainly listening to other podcasts, which is still research. I mean, he's still taking the time to do that. But most of my research is done through reading about teams and obviously forming my own opinions, but then kind of going over their off seasons and everything like that. So this, I mean, these nine episodes have been quite the grind, but it's, it's probably going to kind of level out from here in terms of the consistency. I, I hate to say it, but it's, I know the inevitable and I know that it's probably not going to be as consistent as it has been over the past couple of weeks from here on out. So just kind of letting you guys know that we're going to get as many episodes done as we can. We're going to try to stick to the two per week schedule, but I know that it's not going to be that way. And I've said that in the past. And I've, I've said, yo, we're going to keep this grind up through the whole semester. I, it, this is my toughest semester so far in college. And it's it's already hard to keep up with schoolwork and the podcast in the first two weeks of classes. I can't even imagine what it's going to be during the middle of the semester. So it's, uh, yeah, I'm sorry in advance for for the lack of uploads that we might be having. But it, you never know. Maybe, maybe I'll just put my head down and, and do it, but it, it'll kind of be up in the air, but that's right. Today's our last NFL preview, fourth NFL preview and last football overall preview. It is the AFC North and AFC West. Honestly, two divisions that have strong fan bases and are really, really good. I mean, this is probably the, the episode with the two divisions that are the best combined, I guess, in, in that sense, usually we have an episode with one good division, one bad division, but AFC North and AFC West are both, Really good divisions uh, all around. So we're going to be getting into those today. Going to be diving into a lot of hot topics such as the Chiefs and the Bengals, you know, two Super Bowl favorites over the past couple of years and this year. So it's going to be a fun episode. Matt, are you excited for this episode? I'm very excited. This is, uh, yeah, it's almost, it's kind of cool that we're finishing with these two divisions because, I mean, you know, they're arguably the two best divisions in, uh, in the league could say uh definitely in the afc so so yeah so i'm i'm uh it, it's it's great that we're kind of you know right before the season starts week or i guess kind of this is the week leading up to week one uh is is when we're able to kind of get all of our our final takes and everything together there's also been you know a lot of recent injury news and you know kind of is this player getting paid or is this player playing because he's injured or whatever so uh we're, we're at least we at least have the most up-to-date information on that because i know that at least for some of the previews that we did in the past a lot of those teams have have since suffered injuries or, you know, or whatever contract disputes or whatever. So, yeah. So, so I think that, you know, this is kind of the perfect time to be doing everything. Obviously, you know, hopefully you're listening to this a little bit early. Otherwise, you know, if you're listening to it before Sunday, you know, you'll at least kind of get all the, all the previews on, but, but the chiefs are in this episode and they do play tomorrow as we record this on Wednesday night. So uh, if you're listening within 24 hours, first of all, thank you very much uh, and continue to yes. do so. Uh, but, but this is kind of going to be your one-stop shop for at least hearing about the chiefs preview, basically like 24 hours before they play uh, on, uh, on Thursday night football this, this week against the lions. That all being said though, 
there's plenty of time until Sunday to, to, to get your last and final NFL previews in. Uh, and, and we've done like a hidden side. We've done a lot. I mean, we've this, we've literally talked at least, you know, two or three minutes about every single team over the course of, you know, four NFL episodes, but then we also had four college episodes. We had a fantasy episode in there too. So uh, if any of you guys are, are kind of doing your, your last second drafts and, you know, friends and family and, and, and whatever it may be when it comes to fantasy football, we, we, we definitely have, uh, have have content out for that as well so so uh so there's no shortage of, of anything that you might want to listen to when it comes to the first sound rundown feed and that starts obviously now with previewing the last of our teams that's exactly right and i'm also just a little disclaimer i'm chewing on gum right now which i've never done while we've recorded i don't usually do it but i was just i don't know i was craving gum earlier i was craving like food i guess but i don't have enough food in my house right now because i'm a college student and i just don't I never really have food or at least extra food other than my daily allotment. So I'm chewing gum to kind of suppress my hunger right now. So if that, if you guys hear that anywhere, if you hear, you know, a weird, weird chewing noise, I'm going to try to refrain from chewing, but yes, let's just get into the AFC North here. All right. So the Bengals are up first. If you haven't been, I'm, I'm going to explain it one more time. One last time. If you haven't been here for any of our other preview episodes, uh, welcome. Hope you hope you learned something today. But the way that we do it is for each division, we go in order of this in descending order of win totals or projected win totals for the year. So this year, the Bengals have the highest projected win total in the AFC North of 11 and a half. Then the Ravens have 10 and then so on. So we're going to mention each win total when we preview the team. But I just wanted to kind of make that clear that we go in descending order of projected win totals for the year. So the Bengals obviously are the projected best team in the AFC North by a game and a half, which is kind of a lot, honestly. But their their win total set at 11 and a half. It's actually one of the most, if not the most, in I think it's it may be tied for, for the most with maybe the Eagles. I think the Eagles are at 10 and a half, right? I don't know of another team that's at 11 and a half, other than the Chiefs, obviously, in this episode. But I think I think those two teams are the highest projected win total. So got some got some royalty in this episode. But yes, the Bengals, uh, just a couple notes on the Bengals for this coming year. They've continued to beef up their O-line for Joe Burrow. They signed Orlando Brown from the Chiefs. So the Chiefs actually dropped or kind of let go of Orlando Brown. And then the Bengals signed him, which is kind of a weird dynamic because, you know, Chiefs and Bengals have have, have, have had this little playoff rivalry in recent years. Uh, but yeah, it's good that Joe Burrow is getting some more protection because we all know that that was essentially why the Bengals struggled to protect him and that's why he struggled to stay healthy in kind of the 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 first year of his career and even kind of the second year of his career he was still kind of you know having to get the ball out quick now we know that Joe Burrow is struggling with a calf injury he's he's kind of been in and out of day-to-day news and is he going to play is he not going to play I think he'll probably be all right but the the key here for this Bengals offense I think is that there's that O-line kind of you know getting better in in every sense possible on the defensive side, Jesse Bates and Von Bell, both of their safeties left, um, but they have DJ Turner, who's coming in at a corner, and he he honestly could he could turn out to be a dog. I forget who they are getting at safety to, to replace Jesse Bates and Von Bell, but DJ Turner, he was yeah, he's a rookie from Michigan. He's a little bit undersized, and I think I actually, I talked about him in the fantasy episode. I mean, not the fantasy the mock draft episode that I did with Ishan. I'm pretty sure we. I'm pretty sure we drafted DJ Turner in the first round of our, in our of our mock draft, but he's out of Michigan. He's like 5'10 ish, maybe 
170 pounds. So he's, he's really small, but he hits hard and he's one of the fastest guys you'll ever see. I mean, if, if you watch his tape from Michigan, he absolutely flies. Like he is, he, he almost looks Tyreek Hill esque and it's, it's nuts. I think he ran a four, two, six, the combine. So obviously that's, that's very up there in, in the percentile of all players for that matter. So really high on this, on this Bengals team this year, obviously. I mean, they, yeah, they basically just made their defense better. Maybe aside from the safety, made their defense better, continuing to make their O-line better. And then they've kept, they've, they've been able to keep their star, their superstars, Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon, Jamar Chase, T Higgins. I mean, all those guys, they've been able to keep those guys. And Joe Burrow has a, has a little contract negotiation coming up, which we'll see what happens with that and what he decides to do with that. But, um, but that, that'll be kind of a, a conversation for a later date. I, I'm pretty high on this Bengals team. I don't really know why anybody wouldn't be. I'm interested to see what Matt has to say though. I, I think that, I think that Matt's pretty high on them too, but I could be wrong. Not as much. Uh, I will say that, I mean, off the top, it has to be mentioned that if, if any year is going to be the year for the Bengals, it's not that it could be this year. It's that it has to be this year, right? Because you got to think about the fact that they have to pay all these guys, right? This is Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow's contract year. He's going to get paid at some point during the season. He's going to become the the NFL's highest paid player because that's what happens every time a new quarterback gets signed to a, to, you know, to a deal these days. But like, you also have arguably the best receiver in the league in Jamar Chase, and you have to pay him too. Oh, and by the way, T. Higgins was in that draft class as well. You have to pay him too. And like, these are guys who are core pieces of this offense who have you know, majorly contributed to the Bengals being in two of the last three AFC championships and, you know, three points away in a crazy Aaron Donald play away from, uh, from, for, you know, from winning a Super Bowl. So this, this is, it, it all kind of has to come together now because, you know, they kind of been stashing away at being able to utilize these players when they're on their cheap rookie deals. And, you know, after this, they're they're not going to have as much cap room to, to to be able to work with, and so I think that that's why we see, as Hayden mentioned, you know, the the Orlando Brown signing and, and kind of beefing up the offensive line, the defense. They've you know they spent a lot of money on in recent years. Obviously, you know they kind of let uh, you know let their let their safeties go, which is you know Jesse Bates is a really good player. He's on the Falcons now. I think you know that really beefs up their defense as well. But you know, I, overall, my sentiment on the belt on the Bengals though is is the fact that like there's just so many games that they they kind of like shouldn't have been in or or have been so close and and they've just they've won all these you know one score games or they've made these you know crazy comebacks or whatever and and I think just to a certain extent like because I'm a numbers guy I'm a, I'm a statistics guy like it, it has to regress to the mean right and and there's and there's so many instances where like they go down in the first half right we got to think about the Buccaneers game last last year where Brady comes out and he's there you know Bucks are up by like 21 and half time and the Bengals come all the way back and they win that game. Now, obviously, the Buccaneers weren't the greatest team last year, but but j- just like that's just one example, and you know, a multitude of other ones. I don't want to pull all of them out right now, which I don't think I could with all of them. But um, but but it it's it's credit to what the Bengals have been able to do, you know, in these last couple of years. Lou Anarumo, who's the defensive coordinator, probably the arguably one of the best defensive coordinators in the league right now is has been like praised for his second half adjustments because every single game you see that either where the Bengals are already winning going into halftime or they're you know it's a close game and they're losing at halftime they come out and they look like the better team and and I I to a certain extent I think that that's I'm not going to say it's luck but I think that it's like that it's a it's a factor that can regress to the mean a little bit more so than it can continue to happen in the way that it has been Similarly with the offense like obviously we know that they have a lot of talent you know with 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 Burrow and and and, and Chase and Higgins but 
it just seems like every play that needs to be made, the Bengals are able to make. There was a regular season game last year against the Chiefs where the Chiefs were winning pretty much the whole game and, and the Bengals were kind of just, you know, sticking by them, whatever. And they go on this last drive to, I think, I want to say either send it to overtime or kick a lot, kick a field goal to win it. Um, and then they faced like, like four third and third and more than 10 yards and like a couple fourth downs in there too. And it just was like, no matter what happens, like Joe Burrow just holds the ball until as long as long as he possibly can. And he's going to, you know, he's no, he's going to get, he's, he knows that he's going to get crushed and he just ends up, you know, launching it out there and chase comes down with it. So I, I hate to kind of sound like I'm just putting all of the Bengals success into one box of luck basically but in my mind that's just kind of how things have gone and I think that you know they won the division last year for the second year in a row they're going to play another first place schedule and again this team is still solid right but I I just think that you know they haven't necessarily added much and in past years the win total hasn't been this high either like I think obviously two years ago they they, I think the win total was like seven and a half that was the year they went to the Super Bowl nobody thought that was going to happen right and then last year I think it was like nine and a half they were you know they were second in the division behind the Ravens like in, in, in terms of projected standings and stuff and they come out and they win 12 games so and and get the AFC championship, you know, great. But so I, I think this team is definitely built for the playoffs and built for a long playoff run, as we've seen in the last two years, they've been able to do it. But in terms of just all of the regression that's coming their way in my mind and playing a really tough schedule, like they have a first place schedule. So they play a unique three, like with the Bengals and the chiefs and, you know, or sorry, the bills and the chiefs and, you know, all the other better teams in the AFC. But you also have to think that, and we should have said this to kind of pre, you know, right off the top here, Hayden, is that this is the toughest division in football. Like I said, that they, I said that these two divisions are, are arguably the best. The AFC North is by far the best division in football. All of four of these teams could have 10 wins. All four of these teams could make the playoffs. So given that you already have a tough schedule, you're facing the bills and you're facing the chiefs during the regular season. In addition to playing six games against teams that are basically projected to get nine or 10 wins as well in, you know, in those environments. And we know that those, the, these classic AFC North matchups where it's, you know, it's, it's, it's rough and, and tumble and, you know, run the ball and and the stadiums are, are, you know, are all outside and bad weather and the fans are crazy. And it's, you know, it's such a, such a heated environment to where like, they're inevitably going to take some losses, you know, in division. They're they're usually, for some reason, the Browns are always able to get them and they play at the Browns in the first game. And so, I, I don't know. I just think that there's so much, you know, kind of, kind of, there's there there's there's ways that we could look at the Bengals and say that, you know, this is kind of the year that they have to do it. And I do think that they still have, I mean, this is a team that very well could win the Super Bowl. I'm not saying that they can't, you know, make a deep playoff run, but in terms of the regular season win total, 12 and five, I think is a lot to ask given the schedule that they have. And I think that the regression that, that is that they're going to face this season after just kind of having to seemingly having a lot of lucky results in the past couple of years. And if they're able to overcome that, then it turns from luck into skill and that's all well and good. And the next year, what's it going to look like? You know, are they going to have to trade one of their pieces because they're going to have to shell out a, a ton of money to be able to retain these guys for next year. So I'm a little bit I'm a little bit down on the Bengals in terms of the regular season win total because just again I'm I'm so high on these other teams that it's 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 hard for me to to basically I just don't want to go over the win total on all four of these teams in the division. Okay, well that that makes a little bit of sense. I'm actually um I'm gonna go over still for the Bengals. I, I mean I I think it's just more likely that they go over than under. It eleven and six is a little bit too low for me. I could I guess I could see that, but. Like you said, Matt, they've really they know that they have to get it done this season. And I've read plenty of articles where Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow have come out and said that, that they know that this is the year. And they're it's not that they're treating this year any different than past years, but there there is that sentiment in Cincinnati. So I'm going to go over 11 and a half. Yeah, give me the under um, again. I, I don't think it's like they're not nine and eight. Right. So I'm, I'm going to be a slight under 11 and six, 10 and seven. 
seems seems pretty right for for where I think the Bengals will end up this year. All right, moving on to the Ravens as the second AFC North team here. They're sitting at 10 even, 10 wins, even projected wins, which is kind of a hard number to to, to diagnose because you think about it and we're gonna, we're going to say and we've said it in the past, we're going to say it throughout this episode, but we kind of go off of what we can see these teams record be, records being and so a Ravens team going 9 and 8 as opposed to 11 and 6 is a lot different and that's the that's the difference between a win and a loss. I mean, if they go 10 and 7, they push and that's not I mean nobody nobody likes a push, right? I mean it's that's not exciting at all. So again, we're going to we're going to pick a side. We're not going to just, just say push for the Ravens. If even if we think that they'll go 10 and 7, we're not going to say push. We're going to pick a side here, but I think the, the the obvious thing to point out here about the Ravens is that they they beefed up the receiving core and whether you want to say it or not, whether you want to say Odell's getting older, you know, he's 33, 34 at this point. It's Odell Beckham, dude. I mean, we saw what he did in Los Angeles when he wasn't hurt. Obviously, he got hurt in the Super Bowl. But in that Super Bowl, I think he had something like 50 to 70 yards in like the first quarter before he got hurt in the Super Bowl. I mean, he and, he and said, the touchdown too. Yeah. And he came out and said he was like, I would have set the Super Bowl receiving record if I hadn't gotten hurt. And I don't doubt it. Like, I, I think that he may have gotten the 200 yards receiving and probably another touchdown in that Super Bowl uh, when, when they won that Super Bowl, which good for him that that he went and won a Super Bowl with the Ra- with the Rams. But yeah, dude, I mean, that was just a couple years ago. Like we're talking o- Odell Beckham, who was a superstar in New York, got out of, out of that situation, went to Los Angeles, was in a much better situation, was also old, 31, maybe 32 years old. And now he's in Baltimore and everybody's like, everybody's kind of just writing him off like he's nobody. I don't I don't really get it. Um, this guy's in an incredible shape. And I think that he's gonna he's gonna add a lot to this offense, especially with a guy like Lamar Jackson thrown into him. He and Lamar Jackson apparently are buds, and so hopefully we'll see some of that chemistry come out on the field. And also Zay Flowers, uh, obviously crucial upgrade in in the draft. They finally drafted a receiver that we've been waiting for it for a couple of years now. I mean, they got Rashad Bateman a few a couple of years ago, but he hasn't really turned into anything. So I I think that Zay Flowers is more promising too. And now you've kind of got a, a, a juxtaposition between. Odell, who's more of an outside receiver, and then Zay Flowers, who's more of a slot guy, you know, kind of on the shorter side and the speedier side. But the defense, on the other hand, basically, they basically did nothing but lose Calais Campbell in the offseason. They they didn't really add anybody. Last year, before the season, I think, they they added Roquan Smith from the Bears, which was a good addition. I mean, he's, he's, he's a great linebacker, along with Patrick Queen there, who's been there for kind of a long time. So they've got a good front seven. Obviously, the loss of Calais Campbell is, is a little bit... It's a loss, but the other thing I was going to say about this defense, and this is the last thing that I'll say about the Ravens in general, is that you never really have to worry about the Ravens with their defense. Like no matter no matter what they do in the offseason, they're off. I mean, their defense is always going to be in that top 10, top 15 realm. Like they don't have a bottom defense ever. No matter who they let go of, no matter who they add, they never they never have a bad defense. And when they do have a superb defense, it's superb. Like when they're expected to have a good defense, it's really, really good whenever they're expected to not really have a defense or whenever they're not really in the conversation for having a top defense in the upcoming year, they're still good. And they're still able to hold up, especially in the AFC North where right. Divisional games end up being, you know, 13 to six, the average total points scored is like under 20 in every AFC North divisional game. So, you know, that's, that's kind of just a testament to how the the Ravens have kept their defense over the years. So I'm, I'm not really worried about their defense at all. 
honestly, the additions to their offense is all I'm looking at because their defense doesn't need any help. They'd have, they haven't needed any help in the past. And even if, right, even if they pr- are projected to be on a lower end, they're not. They ended up being good. So, yeah, high on this Ravens team as well. I mean, like Matt said, or like Matt kind of alluded to, I, I don't want to be super high on every team in this AFC North, which I'm not. So I'll get to that in a little bit. But high on this Ravens team as well, just because I, I think Lamar Jackson is ecstatic that he finally has some help there in Baltimore. So, yes, Matt, what do you think? You're not going to find a bigger Ravens fan than me, Hayden. And this has been like three years running yeah, now no. because I, they're, I mean, they're the most solid team of all time. Like, again, it's just they go over the win total every single year. It doesn't matter who's playing. It doesn't like regardless, like they're just such a good team. So overall, and again, I have reasons for this. I'm not just going to come out here and say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the biggest Ravens fan on the earth. Personnel or coaching, coaching changes. The offensive coordinator for the past couple of years has been Greg Roman. Okay. Who was kind of famous for, so he was in San Francisco with, um, Colin Kaepernick, those couple of years when, you know, kind of, de- he he's kind of famous for devising a, a, an offensive scheme that fits with a quarterback who is kind of, you know, fluid in terms of, you know, dual threat can run, can pass, you know, look to get the ball out of the quarterback's hands quickly and, and, and all that. Uh, now also in the past couple of years. And so we've, we've saw that work, obviously, you know, Lamar had his, had his MVP season in 2018 in the last couple of years, he's kind of just been on and off. I mean, he's been hurt. You know, obviously he had the contract disputes last year. And that whole time, though, he had no weapons, right? And that's kind of what Hayden started off by saying with the first point is like, now there's receivers on this team. So I, that's an automatic upgrade, you know, right there. Now, Greg Woman left. They brought in Todd Munkin, who for the past couple of years has been the offense coordinator at Georgia. And uh, remind me again, who won the last two national championships in college? Oh, that's right. It's Georgia. Okay. Georgia. And yes, you know, Stetson Bennett running that offense. And so I think if Stetson Bennett can be that successful in a Todd Munkin offense, I think Lamar Jackson can be extremely successful in a Todd Munkin offense. Before that, Todd Munkin had actually coached in the NFL because that's another thing you look for is these guys to be able to coach it at both levels. Remember that year, Hayden, when Jameis Winston broke the record and had 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions. And he's the only person to ever do that. Yeah, That was Todd Munkin leading the Buccaneers offense back then. Now, Todd Munkin's fault, or it's, it's not Todd Munkin's fault for Jameis Winston throwing 30 interceptions. That's Jameis Winston's fault for making bad reads, okay? But Jameis Winston had one of the most successful years as a quarterback. Ryan Fitzpatrick got in there and threw like multiple 500-yard games too that year that Todd Munkin was with the Buccaneers. So his offensive schemes work really wherever he goes. Now at Georgia, you have the advantage of basically having just the better talent than anybody else in the country. So yeah, that's a given. But I would argue that Lamar Jackson is the is is the perfect NFL version of Georgia that you can get because there's nothing like him in the NFL. And and I think that if you're developing an offense around a play a player that's as dynamic as Lamar Jackson is, the only thing that you're going to really get is is success coming out of that. Now they've said that, and and Lamar has come out and said, you know, proudly that they're going to focus on throwing the ball this year. And and I think that's a good thing because he's a quarterback now. And and so in past years. They haven't thrown the ball very much because there's been nobody to throw to. And so I think that now you see Lamar with, with a bevy of receiving options. They're going to work in the run game, right? I mean, you still have Lamar Jackson's leg to use, uh, but 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 with him adding that, you know, pocket passer mentality and having a receipt. And when he did have receivers to throw through, he won the he won the he won the MVP, right? So there's been success with him in this, in this type of, you know, this type of situation before. 
The running backs are still good. J.K. Dobbins, he's you know, he was hurt last year. I think he's a great, I mean, he's his rookie year, I think he had over a thousand yards. Gus Edwards, kind of just your, you know, your your good solid running back who's been there for for a few years as well. So everything is really shaping up for I think the Ravens to have just another really great season. And it's and you kind of, you know, you think about them and you're like, well, yeah, right. They're always kind of in the playoff. They're always in the in the mix in the AFC North kind of what's what's the ceiling on this team now again we're kind of doing regular season projections right you know here i i don't think that the ravens are a good candidate for winning the super bowl right so i think i the only two teams that i bet to win the super bowl were the were the cowboys and the dolphins as i mentioned in previous episodes mostly because the price associated with those bets were indicative of positive expected value in my opinion regarding you know what those teams are priced at versus what i think their chances are to actually win the super bowl the the, the ravens are kind of in that like 10 to 1 12 to 1 range where they haven't really done a lot of winning in the playoffs before. They've had a lot of regular season success, as has Lamar Jackson, but I don't think they've really kind of gotten to that space where, you know, they're able to just kind of make a huge playoff run. In addition to that, again, you're in a loaded AFC, right? So you're you're facing off against teams like the Bills and the Chiefs and the, you know, the Bengals, as, as we just mentioned. So in terms of winning a Super Bowl, I don't really see it for this team. But I bet I did make was them to have the best regular season record. I think they could easily get the number one seed in the AFC. Well, not easily, but I could see a world in which the they get the number one seed in the AFC. And I think that was like 10 to one or something, right? So you throw 10 bucks on it. You got a hundred bucks in your pocket if if the Ravens end up, you know, winning the AFC or at least, you know, coming in, going into the playoffs with the number one seed. So that that's that's kind of my outlook on the Ravens. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm always going to be positive on the Ravens basically until whenever either Lamar Jackson or, or John Harbaugh leaves. That's kind of when I'll stop being high on the Ravens. But the defense is, I think, going to be an issue, and I think that's kind of what Hayden was getting at or started to get at. I'm going to kind of, you know, continue through that. Obviously, like he said, really the only offseason transaction that you had was losing a potentially Hall of Fame defensive tackle in Calais Campbell. The linebacking core is still solid. Obviously, you know, Roquan Smith is one of the best in the game. Patrick Queen was pretty bad when he first got in the league, but had a, a, a great resurgence last year. Kyle Hamilton, if you remember Kyle Hamilton, I think they took him ninth or tenth in the draft two years ago. He was bad at first, kind of similar. He was bad at first. He's gotten better now. In the past couple of years, they've had safeties. He's been playing a lot of nickelback, and so he's been really successful in that role. They got rid of one of their safeties last year from last year, too, so he's going to go be going back to safety, which he struggled at a little bit. You have Marlon Humphrey, who's one of the best best cornerbacks in the league. He, I forget what injury he suffered, but he's going to be out for at least like, I think like six to eight weeks to start the season. So the defensive backfield for the Ravens is going to be really bad. The defensive line is is not as good as I think we're used to seeing, but I think Kate's exactly right. Like there's not, there's always a, a solid floor where, you know, this team is just not going to, you know, completely fold defensively. They're, they're, they're rough and they're, and, 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 you know, and, and solid and they know their, their gap schemes and everything, like, everything you like to hear out of a good defense, but but I do think that the Raven, like Ravens games in general, I think are going to be a little, little bit higher scoring than in past years where, okay, we have a great defense and we also have this amazing guy named Lamar Jackson, you know, playing offense for us as well. So, you know, we, we always have a chance to win every game. I think that there's going to be a lot of shootouts involved, uh, but I think that would you rather have, you know, Lamar Jackson on this offense or would you rather have, you know, Tyler Huntley basically not able to stretch his arms out over the goal line in Cincinnati, which I forgot to bring up until up until now, first of all, the Ravens were eight and four last season when Lamar Jackson got hurt slash won a new contract, whatever. Tyler Huntley comes in. He only wins one game. Okay, whatever. The Ravens went 10 and seven in the regular season last year and quite literally watched the end of the game, the first playoff game. They played the Bengals in Cincinnati 
if if Tyler Huntley's arms are six inches longer, he stretches the ball out over the end zone. The Ravens score a touchdown, and it's night night Cincinnati. No AFC title run, nothing. And a team led by Tyler Huntley just beat the Bengals, who went to the Super Bowl two years ago and were a weird pass interference away from going to the Super Bowl last year as well and upsetting the Chiefs on the way to doing it. Instead, that reach over the goal line is punched free by, by Trey Hendrickson, run back for a touchdown by the Bengals, and the Bengals end up winning that game. That's the only way they win that game because there's like two minutes left and they're down by four. They get a magical fumble recovery for a touchdown, 99 yards, and the Bengals win that playoff game. So, like, this is a Ravens team that was inches away from beating the Bengals, which, again, we just talked about the Bengals, in the first round of the playoffs last year with Tyler Huntley and no receivers. Like, are you kidding me? And now you're getting Lamar Jackson and all these receivers. I think that's all that I have to say. Uh, Lamar Jackson is also my MVP pick, so I'm just – I'm all I'm all in on the, on the Ravens. If, if if things go south, you'll hear me in the regular in the middle of the regular season kind of, uh, you know, kind of, kind of sad, but I, I all I see is positivity here. All right, so does that mean that we're both going over? 10, yeah, so 10. I I mean I've seen nine and I don't know where you got these. I ten is it's probably actually it probably is closer to ten. Now. I I bet it when it was at nine and a half. I bet the over, which I love a lot more than ten. Um, because you because you're right. It's like they're going ten and seven probably more often than they're going eleven and six. Uh, but but I'm still gonna take the over. I mean, again, it's it's probably and it's it's tougher to say. Uh, because you kind of almost have to be like one of the best records in the entire league, you know, if, if you're gonna go over here. But but I think the Ravens have the potential to do that. So yeah, give me the over ten. All right, I'm gonna go over as well. Now moving on to the third team in this AFC North division, it's the Browns sitting at nine wins, which I was kind of surprised to see. It this, this Browns team is interesting this year because, and this is kind of the first point that I want to make because this is this is what everybody's talking about really but this is Deshaun Watson's full first full year with the Browns now last year yes he he played kind of towards the end of the season but when he came back it wasn't really it was hyped up for you know a week or so and then once he started playing couldn't really get it together and people kind of wrote him off and said okay yeah this is kind of what we expected he didn't play football for two years he got all these, you know, crazy allegations was probably messes with his mental, but he got a huge deal, right? He got a huge, a large sum of money. So he's chilling and the Browns are kind of screwed. Well, I don't know, dude. I mean, because if you think about it, first full year in this offense, first full offseason with the team that helps a lot, especially a quarterback who needs to be mentally and, and physically, but more mentally in tune with the team, right? Like he needs to be the guy that is obviously the leader and he needs to be the guy that, that kind of gels everybody together in the off season. And that, that's a huge part of the off season for a lot of these, a lot of these NFL teams. And so if you think about it that way, in the sense that Deshaun Watson is finally getting his first off season and full year and like actual, you know, playing time practice with this team that could blow things up potentially, but I don't, I'm not sure if it will. That's the thing. It, it's, it's kind of easy to look at this and see it going south is kind of what I'm saying. But that's that's just how I'm thinking that it'll go. It, it's it's hard to tell. But the bright side is this defense, I mean, shoot. In the offseason, they went crazy. They got Zadarius Smith from uh, the Vikings. They also got Dalvin Tomlinson, who's a, a D tackle from the Vikings. So they kind of just poached Minnesota's whole defensive line, which is pretty good. I think Minnesota's defensive line, their their defense in general was bad. But their defensive line, I think, was one of the best and stopping the run last year. I'm I'm pretty sure it was something like that. They had like one of the best run stopping defenses in the league, but then their pass defense was close to last. It was like the most 
spread out thing ever. But they also got Juan Thornhill from the Chiefs. Uh, shout out UVA. He's a UVA grad. But yeah, those are three guys that you know that are, that are kind of featured guys that they picked up in the offseason, which is great. I don't think that they really lost anybody except for Jadavion Clowney, who they're going to replace was Darius Smith, which is honestly, in my opinion, Jadavion Clowney has just kind of been a cancer to the Browns for the past few years that they've had him. So it's honestly probably just even better that they let go of him and got Darius Smith instead. So yeah, I think this, this Browns team on defense at least has has gotten better, but like I said, the the looming idea of this whole Deshaun Watson thing going south is just ingrained in my brain, and I can't really let it go. So I'm interested interested to see what Matt has to say. I I want to agree with you, but I just the Browns have a somehow the Browns the Cleveland Browns that we've have been you know one probably the worst franchise in the NFL over the last twenty years. I think this team has a top probably top five roster on paper. And again, that's the, that's the key, right? Is on paper. Like anyone can have a great roster on paper, but like if the culture doesn't, you know, mix with the players and what, you know, what do they believe in what they're doing, whatever, like it can all crumble pretty quickly. And I think we've seen that probably happen in the last couple of years with the Browns specifically, because they haven't, you know, they, they, they definitely added a lot of pieces to the defense. Uh, but, but the offense has not, you know, it's, 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 it's still projected to be one of the best in the league in terms of right your your roster talent on paper is amazing but you know right what have they done in the past couple of years the and and again hey nothing nail on the head it, it this entire this entire discussion depends on the success of Deshaun Watson who again he played i think 6 games last year he didn't look good like really at all he played i think in almost every preseason game this year uh, he, he, I think they, they scored on one drive, but it was like, because the other team fumbled at like their own 18 yard line. So they only had to go like, and he was like fumbling, you know, handoffs. It, it's not looking good so far. And, and so there's no, there's no like logical reason for, for anybody to say that, like, I've you know, th- I, there's, there's, there is precedence that this is going to work out. So, you know, we, we need to be high on the Browns to, you know, to win a bunch of games this year. But sometimes you just kind of have to have faith. And so I think that that's where I'm going to end up on this team because simply right, their their offensive line is, is, is top five in the league. Their defensive line is probably the best in the league. The defensive backfield, Denzel Ward, you know, right. He, he mentioned all the, all, you know, all the, all the guys they got, all the Denzel Ward, I think is going to miss the first week here against the Bengals. But, you know, right. Great defensive backfield. They have weapons in the wide receiver position now Amari Cooper Elijah Moore you know David and Joker the tight end uh and and obviously Nick Chubb who's who's probably in my mind I think he's the best running back in the league I think he's gonna have the most rushing yards this year really everything so it all just depends on whether or not Deshaun Watson can basically just kind of do what Kevin Stefanski wants you to do I think Kevin Stefanski is a really good coach right like Think about all we think of Baker Mayfield, like this guy led Baker Mayfield to a playoff win in Pittsburgh and potentially almost beat the Chiefs in the week after that because Patrick Mahomes was hurt and you know Chad Henney kind of came in and saved the day there. But so that that's like the peak of what this team can be. It's it's similar to the Kyle Shanahan system in San Francisco where you kind of just need a quarterback who's like not really trying to make everything about himself and make all the plays and hold the ball and run around and throw deep like you kind of just need a team or need a quarterback who's just going to take what the defense gives him, make the short throws, make the easy plays and kind of just let the running game do everything else for you. Deshaun Watson isn't really that type of player though. All we've seen of Deshaun Watson is, you know, in Houston, I have a terrible team around me, so I need to, you know, run around for eight seconds, make a ton of plays with my legs and then chuck the ball deep and, and, you know, something will work out. So there, there's just kind of a lot of conflicting and, and there's been stories where like, again, obviously, you know, Deshaun Watson coming off of, 
a large scandal, uh, you know, in the past couple of years and basically missed an entire year of football because he was sad. So like, there's been a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of stories outside and, and, you know, apparently he's like not the greatest locker room guy. He also never really said sorry for like any of the stuff that he did. And it's like, I don't yeah. know. Like the, there's there's character questions and all that. So I I, I very much think that Hayden's route on, on kind of being a little bit lower on the Browns is is probably the most logical uh, solution here. I'm just going to take the upside that this roster is too stacked for him to fail, and we'll kind of see what happens. Now, again, did I ever think that I'd be saying this about the Cleveland Browns? No, but th- they've built the team in a way that like it's almost like prove me wrong. And and if they do, and they probably will, then cool. I'll be wrong. Um, but, but I think, I, I don't know. I just think that the upside is, is there with the Browns just because, just because the roster is so talented. All right. Well, you guys know by my tone, how I feel about the Browns. I am going to go under. It's also just, this is also kind of just a reason to say that I'm not going to go over for all the teams in the AFC North. So I'm going to go under, I could definitely see this team going eight and nine for sure. Yeah. And again, too, the number here is nine um, that we're that we're kind of picking it at. It's at nine and a half in a lot of places. That would be oh, a little bit tougher for me. Yeah. Right. Because it's like, OK, I, I could definitely see the team. Right. I, I would I would I would think that they would be going nine and eight more than they would go ten and seven with the number being nine. I probably see 10 and seven more than I do eight and nine. Like, I don't think this team has a losing record, obviously, you know, very possible. Uh, but so I'm going to go over on the Browns again, you know, kind of similar to Hayden. I, I went under on the Bengals, but I'm clearly high on pretty much all the other teams. And again, I tried to, I tried to even it out. Cause on the, I think on the AFC South uh, with the, you know, the Jaguars, Titans, Colts, and, uh, and Texans, I went under on three teams. Um, and so spoiler alert, I'm going to go over on three teams in this division, because again, I think it's the best of football. And I think, I literally think that all these teams can make the playoffs, which is kind of crazy, or at least all of them have double digit, you know, 10 win seasons. I, I don't know. It, I, it, I've seen that it's mathematically possible to happen. I know it's not likely, but I'm I'm I, I'm I'm willing to see it out, and I I think it'd be cool if it does happen. So I'm going to go over on the Browns. All right, interesting. Let's move on to our last AFC North team, which is the Steelers, sitting at eight and a half wins, projected wins this year, which is a pretty low number in my opinion. In case you guys haven't heard this a million times last year, which I'm I'm sure you probably have if you follow football at all and are interested in other teams other than your favorite team, and if you're not a Steelers fan. If you're a Steelers fan, you definitely know this. But in all of Mike Tomlin's seasons, there was I think it's been 15, 16. I think uh, this he is hasn't... his 17th year. So, yeah, yeah. it has been 16, so 16 years. But, yeah, it's crazy. He hasn't had a losing record, which is just nuts. Like, that's that's insane to think about. Didn't he have an 8-1 eight, eight year? Yeah, Wasn't it was that... it was two years ago when they tied yeah. the Lions. Um, right. And so, right, he, that's why it's like he's never had a losing season. Yeah. He's had an even season. And I think somewhere in there, because they they changed to 17 games a couple years ago anyway. So there were probably also multiple eight and eight seasons back when the season was 16 regular season games. There were probably, you know, they, they had some eight and eight seasons, I think, in there, too. So he's he's been 500 before he's been even, but never had, you know, a losing record. So, yeah, so that's the that's kind of the caveat or that's what's what makes this eight and a half interesting is because if you go over that, that keeps with the trend of Mike Tomlin, not having a losing season. If you go with the under that breaks the 16 year streak of not having a losing season. So just kind of an interesting number there with eight and a half, but this team had, I think the best off season, if not one of the best off seasons out of any team. And it's, it is a trend. I mean, the Steelers, they do really their draft, well, their drafting is pretty good, honestly, but I think their offseason moves are even better. I mean, the, the way that they kind of just like convince guys to stay, sign guys to deals that aren't way, way too high. I think TJ Watt is still 
the highest paid uh, defensive end in the league. I, Nick Bosa is probably about to take that over when he gets his contract soon. But I think TJ Watt he is actually, still the, He actually just did today, like a couple oh, hours wow. ago. Yeah. I didn't see that. Oh, interesting. Well, then TJ Watt's not the highest paid player in or highest well, paid. I don't know. I didn't player. say that he was the highest player. He just said that he got a five-year deal with like 122 million guaranteed or something. So okay. like because it, it usually says that on the notification yeah. says now the highest paid. So I don't I don't think I I guess I mean Aaron Donald probably still is, but I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. Because it didn't say yeah. it, but he probably is. I mean, whatever. Yeah, true. Anyway, as I was saying, um, yeah, they, they had a huge offseason. They they lost a couple guys, so they lost Cam Sutton from the defense cornerback they also lost, lost Terrell Edmonds who's a safety but they replaced Cam Sutton with Patrick Peterson who is a fossil at this point I think he's about around 38 years old but he was in his prime I mean he was a top quarterback in the league he did pretty well for Minnesota last year and the year before so I, I don't want to write him off quite yet and in a Pittsburgh defensive scheme I think that Pat Pete's probably gonna fit in just fine and then Terrell Edmonds, like I said, they lost him at safety, but then they re- they replaced him with Keanu Neal, who has had a great career. I don't think he's gotten nearly enough credit. Uh, he had he was he was playing for the Falcons before, and then I think he went to the Cowboys for a year or two, and then now he's here with the Steelers. Which again, any guy that you put, any guy that's had a, a, a pretty decent career or better, and you put him in a Steelers scheme. He's he's gonna work out because Steelers defenses. I mean, you want to talk about Smash Mouth punch you in the mouth football that's what the Steelers play so they're going to be just fine on defense as they always have been this defense will always have a place in my heart I almost always try to draft them in fantasy because they always end up being one of the highest scoring defenses in the league and you can count on them to play well against literally any offense I I haven't I've never seen the Steelers get blown out by a team I like it's it just doesn't happen they're always in close games and their defense always seems to have three or four sacks and like a forced fumble or two and then a pick it's I mean they they get so many turnovers as well so always high on this defense and then obviously on the offensive end you just got a bunch of young guys you got Kenny Pickett and George Pickens in their second years Najee Harris I think in his third year so it's kind of up in the air for the offense you you don't really know what they're going to do you don't know how Kenny Pickett's going to fare I'm pretty confident that Kenny Pickett will progress some but I don't think he's really going to kind of reach that that top tier level that some of the other younger QBs like Justin Herbert and I guess Joe Burrow have, have reached. Obviously he's, you know, even Trevor Lawrence, like he he's, he's obviously not in that realm. He hasn't been. And I don't think he's going to reach that realm anytime soon, really, but I think he's going to come into his own. And again, this, the Steelers team just knows how to win. They go out there every year. They prove all the haters long. They prove everybody wrong that doubted them in the preseason. So what I'm going to do here is I'm not, is I'm not going to doubt them because I don't want to be caught in that spell anymore. So give me the Steelers going over all day. I'm I'm gonna I'm just gonna pick it here because we're kind of you know going a little bit over time, I think already. So yeah, give me the Steelers over. I'm really confident in them this year. Same. Uh yeah. I mean Hayden, I think really hit on all the points that I was going to uh right. This team just doesn't lose a lot of games. But but more specifically, can you pick it? I think in the last, I think the stat was like in the last eight games of last season, um, he was like fourth in EPA per play or something like that. So he he played well to end the season. Now it was against a lot of kind of rookie quarterbacks or you know bad defenses, but that's that's what you like to see at least. Like at least he's good against bad competition. And, and I think that you know with that they did play a lot of easy teams last year. You know they they went nine and eight. You know okay cool. Um and and but I think that 
Right. I think the, the cards are on the table for them to continue to do that because, right, they, they have all the same pieces from last year who are going to be more experienced. I mean, you think that, right, like Hayden said, you know, Kenny Pickett, George Pickens, and Najee Harris, the three, you know, best players on this offense are, are well, Najee Harris is third year, but second and third year guys. So it's like, that's only positive for, you know, for experience terms. I mean, think about this team in five years, like they're going to be great. Right. So, uh, or at least, you know, the offense is, you know, experience and all that stuff, you know, you can't, can always assume everything, but, but yeah, I mean, I think the stat with TJ Watt is like, I think they're, I think they're one and nine in games where TJ Watt doesn't play. Uh, so, you know, you, you kind of need it. Obviously, you know, trends are trends and whatever, you know, you could always say, right. You, that That's not always gonna be true. Fine. But I mean, he's, he's probably one of the more important, like definitely is one of the more important defensive players in the league uh, because he just provides so much, you know, so much for this team, which I think, right. I think they've kind of just added a bunch of pieces where like, it's not like huge name guys, Patrick Peterson, obviously kind of tops the list, but you know, he's kind of more, I think aged in his career at least, but had a great couple of years, a couple last years in Minnesota uh, after seeming like he was washed up in Arizona and, you know, came to Minnesota. He was great. So I think he can provide, you know, what this team is, is able to, or, you know, kind of needs for them to be successful. Um, I mean, yeah, I just, I, again, I'm not, I'm not even going to belabor the point because Aiden's right. We're kind of going a little bit long, but, but I think we've kind of been handing out it all day is like, this is a great division. There's a lot of great teams. And, you know, besides a couple, you know, me and me and Hayden each had one under for this division. We're going over on pretty much all these teams just because of the upside that we see and, and just how solid it is. And obviously this, this division beats up on itself. Right. So to a certain extent, you can basically say that all these teams, you know, just if you want to like kind of just set everything even, all these teams are going to go, going to go you know three and three in their division. I, the rest of the schedules they kind of line up easily, at least for you know at least for for a lot of these teams. So uh, yeah, so so I think that you know I think the Steelers are, are definitely a good over candidate. Um, you know, could I see it kind of blow up a little bit? Yeah, uh, but but I just think that right they they have the men, right mentality. Mike Tomlin knows how to coach uh, in general, right? I mean, I think Matt Canada is probably the only wild card in terms of an assistant coach on the offensive end who. But but I think that Canada was like again pick it's it was Pickett's rookie year last year right like I don't think Canada was 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 necessarily trying to shove everything down his throat all at once like you have to get a year of experience under your belt he has that he's looked great in the preseason I think he had six drives in the preseason all of them were touchdowns and again it, you know it wasn't necessarily against first time you know first string defenses all the time but if that's what you're showing me then then come on and we've seen all the you know the the, the George Pickens catches in practice and everything like that so yeah. Uh, Steelers are, are are definitely an over for me, especially this eight and a half. I think it's in some places gone up to nine, nine and a half. And that's, again, that's a little bit tougher, but the eight and a half, I'm, I'm going over the Steelers for sure. All right. Moving on to this AFC West division real quick. So the chiefs here are sitting at the number one spot, obviously 11 and a half projected wins two above the second place chargers here, but we'll get to the chargers in a little bit. Chiefs, I think nobody really wants to admit it or say it, but I think it's it's kind of looming in everybody's head that the big question here is if Mahomes can still get it done with an even worse cast around him this year. I think that in past years, obviously, when Tyreek Hill left, everybody was kind of like, oh, man, I don't know how he's going to do. And then he proved everybody wrong, went and won a Super Bowl with tra- basically just Travis Kelsey. And they got Kadarius Tony, and they're like, "Oh my gosh, they got another Tyreek Hill." But then you get he's hurt all the time, so he's not really even playing at all. They got Sky Moore, which he hasn't really come to fruition yet. Hopefully this year he will. But like their their best receiver right now, their number one wide receiver is Marquez Valdez Scantling, who won't be the number one receiver this year 
probably. And again, I'm doing this in terms of receiver, not including Travis Kelsey. But it's just, yeah, like he doesn't really have that good of a cast around him. The backfield, they have Isaiah Pacheco and Jarek McKinnon as kind of the two feature backs, but neither of them are really great. I mean, Isaiah Pacheco looks like a rhinoceros every time he runs the ball, but he doesn't wow you all the time. I mean, he, he runs hard, but it's not like he's a Nick Chubb, right? So it's it's just kind of weird with this offense. And Patrick Mahomes always seems to get it done. But we heard news of Travis Kelsey going down yesterday with a hyperextended knee. We don't really know the extent of that yet. He's still questionable for tomorrow, which annoys me because I have him on one of my fantasy teams. So I don't I don't know whether to start him or not. Uh, I assume that he's going to play, but I don't know. But yeah, it, it's just kind of a, a weird situation with this with this team. They did have 61 starts combined from rookies last season which is the most ever by a Super Bowl winning team. So that's at least an up, upside. Matt was just talking about the Steelers having a young team. I mean, that's exactly what you want to see in a Super Bowl winning team is, is a young team, guys that are starting, that are rookies, that you know will help you in the future and will kind of you know decrease that salary cap uh, or that salary that you're paying right now so you can kind of go out, go out and get some veterans to help around them. So I guess that, ups my hopes a little bit about, about this team, but they just had a pretty bad offseason all around. They, I think they lost a couple I mean, they all lost Orlando Brown. I think they lost one of their guards as well. So um, it'll be, it'll be kind of interesting to see how this, this chiefs team does. I'm not as high as them as I haven't been in past years, which is kind of interesting. Them coming off of a Super Bowl win. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm really interested to see where Matt is with this team though. I'm, I'm not doing it again. I'm not fading Patrick Mahomes, dude. This guy can just, I mean, he's, he's, He's probably going to end up being the best quarterback I ever play the game. Like this guy lost Tyreek Hill, arguably the best receiver in the NFL and won a Super Bowl. Like we came into last season being like the Chiefs are done. It's over. Patrick Mahomes. He's not good without, without, you know, this amazing receiving court that he's had. Okay. Great. He still has Travis Kelsey. Great. Okay. I get that. But like, I mean, nobody thought that was going to happen. Right. And it's like, Lo and behold, who do we have, you know, just making their way through number one seed in the, you know, in the league or in the AFC hosting their fifth straight AFC championship. They got to the Super Bowl, played the Eagles. It was all good. They were, you know, winning the whole game. So I, I think that it's just inevitable at this point that the Chiefs are going to be great until either Andy Reid or Patrick Mahomes leaves, which I don't think they're going to do so until they're done winning, which who knows when that'll be, right? So uh, I, I don't know. I just think that combination of coach and player is 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 extremely special, uh, one that we probably won't see for a very long time. And 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 even around that, I mean, like, like Hayden said, like th- there were a lot of rookies that started on this team last year and they still won the Super Bowl. So like, and a lot of them too, I think, you know, to kind of, to kind of go a little bit deeper in the weeds on, on that point there, Hayden, a lot of them were defensive players and specifically defensive backs. Like these guys who kind of just, you know, they're like, all right, well, we're going to kind of stick you in there and, and hope you play well. They did like, they, they kind of, they kind of gathered around each other. They said, you know, we're, you know, we're, we're younger defensive backs. We don't, you know, I, they're, they, they're like calling themselves something similar to how like the Seahawks had the Legion of Boom when like all those guys were drafted all at the same time. The Chiefs have like a nickname for their defensive backfield that they're growing there, which is like, that's what you want to see out of a team that, you know, is, is going to be consistently competing for, you know, for the Super Bowl every year. So I, yeah, I mean, is, is there a chance that, you know, okay, the receiving court rate, like Marquez Valdez scaling is number one wide receiver. When you say that, yeah, that's that's a little bit that's a little bit worrying, quote unquote. I guess your number one receiver is Travis Kelsey, and if he's fine, then I, I think that's all good. And, and I think even if he's not, 
like, do you think Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes are going to be able to figure something out? I think so, because they clearly did last year without Tyreek Hill. Like, the fact that they lose Tyreek Hill and win the Super Bowl means that, like, they're kind of able to do it, right? And, and so who was the second best wide receiver? Or who was, like, the top wide receiver that you lost this offseason? Juju Smith-Schuster, right? Who is, like, very much, like, the most mid-wide receiver that you could probably think of just, like, completely average yeah. in the NFL right now. And so, like, and they have a lot, like, I would argue that, like, they're, like, four through six guys, which you never really talk about a receiving core being, you know, fourth, fifth, and sixth deep. Like, you know, guys like Richie James and, and Rasheed Rice, the guy they drafted out of Houston, like, these are guys who are going to contribute this year and who, right, if you, if you give these guys like this to Andy Reid, he's going to figure it out. He's going to do some circle Honolulu, like, huddle thing where you're all spinning around and coming out of the, you know, coming out of the huddle and the ball goes into four different players' hands and they end up scoring a touchdown because that's what, that's what Andy Reid, you know, that's the brilliance of Andy Reid, you know, kind of perpetuated. So, it's it's just one of those things for me that like everything that they do, I I can make an argument for why that probably, you know, will make them worse or I could see them being worse as a result. But after so many years of it's just not happening so far, I, I, I'm kind of just, I'm kind of just done trying to think of reasons why, you know, why they're not going to be good when I've just seen time and time again, you know, they kind of just prove everybody wrong. I mean, five straight AFC championships at home and I don't see them, not doing that again, like to be honest. Uh, so right, I know I bet the Ravens to have the wor- the best record in the NFC or the AFC and to you know have be the number one seed in the AFC. But would I be surprised if the Chiefs did it? Absolutely not. Especially since I'm you know I'm a little bit lower in the Bengals this season. I don't even know. I mean, when was the last time the Chiefs went under eleven and a half? Like w- probably before Patrick Mahomes got there. So uh, even in his rookie year, I think they were over. Or, like not the first like the first year he started, I think they were over eleven and a half. Even when Alex Smith was there, you know they were they were you know they were around this win total. So I'm I'm flying over on the Chiefs. Cause it's just as it's just inevitable. Yeah, I I would agree. I mean, again, I'm I'm I said I'm lower this year than I have been in the past, but I think that still merits a, a good chance of them going over eleven and a half wins, which is insane to be able to say that about a team that I'm a little bit low on them this year, and I still expect them to go over eleven and a half. I think eleven and a half is yeah, is is pretty low. I mean, if it was if it was twelve or maybe even 12 and a half. I don't even know if that's like a possible win total projection, but if it was one of those numbers, then maybe I'd be changing my mind a little bit, but yeah, 11 and a half is pretty low. So I'm going to go over as well. Moving on to the chargers here. Uh, they're sitting at nine and a half and I'm actually, I'm, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to switch it up a little bit. I'm going to let Matt talk about the chargers here first, because I know that he likes to talk about teams first and I kind of haven't been, or I haven't let him have a chance to do that yet. This episode. So go ahead, Matt. No, that's fine. I mean, I, I think I think you do a good job of kind of recapping the offseason moves. I haven't really memorized all of those. I'm kind of just overall, I know like the coaching scheme and the, you know, kind of what what the what the what the vibe of the team is. So I think it's it's kind of good to to the, the way we haven't been doing it. But um yeah, I mean overall, again, the Chargers, obviously kind of the bigger news is that uh you know, they kind of let go of 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 uh of of Brian Schottenheimer from last year who was calling the plays. And I think Justin Herbert had like the most like checkdowns in the history of the league or something like that because that's just the way that the offense was run and it just didn't make sense for what Justin Herbert has in terms of a cannon arm and some great weapons on the outside so you bring in Kellen Moore who 
has made the Cowboys offense the highest scoring team each of the last three years uh, and, and love to throw the ball down the field in, you know, in Dallas. And I think that, I think that the move is going to work for both teams. Obviously I said in earlier in this episode, and even on the AFC or the NFC East episode that we did, I'm extremely high on the Cowboys for this year. And I'm also very high on the Chargers. So I think this move, Kellen Moore, while it seems a little bit controversial on the surface, I think it's just going to be a great move for both teams uh, because I think it's kind of what both teams need. So specifically the Chargers, where like if you have Justin Herbert, who's who's who probably has one of the strongest arms in the league, probably the strongest arm besides Josh Allen uh, in the entire league, and a and this receiving core of Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and uh, and now they add Quentin Johnston as a uh, you know as a rookie who who will be able to learn from two of the best wide receivers uh, in the league, or you know two of the most veteran wide receivers in the league right now, and even a tight end Gerald Everett, like he kind of came out of nowhere, and last year he was like one of the top fantasy producing wide receiver tight ends, uh, just simply because he got so many targets right and so many catches, and because of this offense and the way it uh, it runs, and you have Austin Eckler in the backfield who's basically like another wide receiver, right? So. I, I think this offense is just going to go nuclear this year. And I think that's what they want to do, which is what they should be doing. And and so that's fine. Right. And you have Brandon Staley as the head coach who is a defensive minded head coach. Brandon Staley was the defensive coordinator of the Rams when they won the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, took over the chargers, started making all those kind of weird decisions, right. Of You know, we're going to go for it for on, on fourth and five at our own 14 yard line. That's not right. That's not maybe the you know the right choice. And so he's kind of like, all right, I'm, I'm handing everything off to Kellen Moore on the offensive side of the ball and just going to focus on the defense. And I think that's totally fine because the defense is pretty stacked as well. I mean, you know, you you obviously have Derwin James has been there for a while. You have Khalil Mack, who you traded for a couple of years ago. And then JC Jackson, who they traded for last year from the Patriots. And so, you know, this defense is coming together with a bunch of, you know, kind of big name guys. I do think they have the most like money spent on the defensive side of the ball in the entire league, which is, you know, for the production that they've gotten, not, I guess, you know, not the, not hasn't looked like the greatest investment, but again, if they can turn it around really even a little bit this year, I think this is a team that, that that's definitely making the playoffs and just that can continue on, on what they were, you know, kind of what they've been building the last few years. They had 10 wins in the regular season last year and, you know, and the win total going into this year is nine and a half and they've only gotten better. Right. So uh, and Justin Herbert was hurt for so long last year. I mean, they, they were like coming out and saying like he was playing with multiple broken ribs for multiple games of the season. I think he had a shoulder injury too. So like, like several injuries all at once. And, and Justin Herbert was like still going out there and throwing the ball and winning games and beating the chiefs on Thursday night football. So I, 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 I love the Chargers upside for this season. Again, we saw in the playoffs that the chargers are always going to charger and it's be, almost become a verb at this point because of how bad these, you know, this team plays in, in the clutch or when it matters, you know, two years ago, they're, they're in that game against the Raiders where it's like the loser, you know, or the winner makes the playoff. The loser doesn't make the playoffs. If they tie, they both make the playoffs. They're like, there's like two minutes left in overtime. They're about to tie and both make the playoffs and the Raiders hit it like a 50 yard field goal and they win. The chargers missed the playoffs last year. They went 10 and seven. They would get a wild card. They make the playoffs and they play the Jags. And then the Jags, <laughs> Trevor Lawrence, those four interceptions in the first half, the, the, you know, the, the chargers are winning that game by 28 points and they, and they end up losing the game. So like, do I have any confidence this team will go do something in the playoffs, especially when you're facing off against the, you know, the, the Bengals and the Chiefs and the Bills and the other great teams in the AFC? No, I, I don't think this team could. I, they're they're talented enough to win a Super Bowl. That's for sure. Like the talent on the roster, like I could see it happen, but the team hasn't really won in the playoffs ever before. So so I don't know. If, I don't necessarily think I can like automatically say that they're a Super Bowl winning team, but. They've shown in the regular season. I think they've only got better this for this season coming going in coming into here. Um, and and I think that you know I think they're going to go over for sure, especially if it's a nine and a half number. Yeah, I I was going to say 
pretty much the same thing. I was trying to convince myself to go low on the Chargers this year because of what they've done in the past, especially in the playoffs, but it doesn't matter for, for what the purposes of what we're trying to assess here, which is the regular season. Like Matt said, I mean, they've been good, good enough in the regular season to get to a decent playoff game. And then they always choke. And it's unfortunate that, that, that they always choke in the playoffs. But I mean, in terms of win totals, that doesn't, that doesn't matter at all. So for the purposes of this podcast and for the purposes of picking an over or under, yeah, I'm, I'm going to pick the over because they are so talented. And in the regular season, like Matt said, Matt made a really good point with Justin Herbert being hurt for a lot of the, the latter part of the season last year. It, it Assuming that doesn't really happen again, which hopefully it doesn't, you never really want to wish or even talk about that happening. This offense is going to be insane. I mean, it's, it's the same that it has been in past years and, they're only getting better with experience. So, yeah, and th- and then that defense, like Matt said, is, it has some superstars, but definitely has some holes as well. I think their run defense has been one of the worst in the league in in past year in recent years. So, hopefully, we'll kind of see that you know uptrend a little bit to kind of even out that defense. But I think overall, yeah, I mean this Chargers team, there's not really much to say. Brandon Brandon Staley's definitely on the hot seat, no question about it. If they if they blow it and have a, and have a losing record this season, he's probably out of there because they've just been so they've struggled so much in the playoffs in past years. And if he has a losing record this year in the in in the regular season and regresses that way, there's no way that they keep on that they hold on to him. But my final note here is that it, it it's literally just an impossible situation to assess. I mean, the Chargers are like the most confusing team I've ever ex- witnessed in my life. So I guess I could see them going nine and eight. I guess, but I'd, I'd rather see them go 10 and seven and I'd rather see Justin Herbert and the other guys on this offense succeed. So I am going to take the over as well. And Matt, you already went over, right? Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's move on to this Broncos team uh, sitting at eight and a half wins, projected wins. Again, I, I got these, I think I got these, um, these totals off of like yahoosports.com, which is probably not the best place to get them off of. I don't really get them off of an actual betting website i guess but i mean all, even all the even all the betting sports books like have different different lines yeah. and numbers and stuff so yeah it's always going to be like a half win there a half win here so yeah all right yeah well i'm gonna let matt take this one away too broncos go ahead matt um i, I like i don't see the hype I, I mean again last year the win total was 10 and the broncos won five now obviously we saw how much of a train wreck it was with nathaniel hackett has as the head coach and Russell Wilson has had one of the most uh, underwhelming years that we've probably ever seen from a quarterback who's hyped up and or as hyped up as he is. Obviously, you, you know, the biggest news of the offseason was getting Sean Payton. Uh, they paid him a lot of money and gave the Saints a bunch of draft picks on top of giving the Seahawks a bunch of draft picks for Russell Wilson in the first place. The defense was top five last year and their defensive coordinator went to the Panthers <laughs> I, I don't really know why Um, I, it was kind of kind of weird how that happened. And there's not a lot of guys on this defense who are like standout players, but for, for they were, they were able to make it work. The problem is their offense was so bad, literally the least scoring team in the NFL. There was maybe, Hey, remember like halfway through the season when, or no, it was like three fourths of the way. Season. It was almost when the season was over where it was like, yeah, the Broncos had scored at least like 18 points or I think like at least 20 or 21 points in all their games, they would have been like 11 and four or something like yeah. or 11 and six across the whole <laughs> yeah. season. Like that's how good this defense was and how bad this offense was. So I, again, 
they won five games last year. You bring in Sean Payton. You don't really change much else about this team. And now the win total is eight and a half. So they basically almost have to double their win total. And Sean Payton's going to do that. I think he's a great coach. Believe me. I, I, I think that he's going to install a winning mentality into this team. And he's going to change a lot of things for the better. But I don't think it's going to be done in one year. And two, I don't think that Sean Payton's job. In fact, I know Sean Payton's job is not directly related to the success or lack thereof of Russell Wilson's uh, performance. Okay. The, the general manager and in kind of the, you know, John Elway and the, and the owners and the people in charge of the Broncos made the decision to get Russell Wilson independently of then going to make the decision to get Sean Payton as their head coach. So Sean Payton is not linked to Russell Wilson. Okay. It's not Sean Payton's job to come in here and turn around the team and, and, and make Russell Wilson back into a Hall of Fame quarterback like Pete, you know, Pete Carroll had him being a couple of years ago in Seattle. This is not Sean Payton's, you know, job to play babysitter here and and be like, oh, here's your here's your cookies in the oven, Russell Wilson. No, like I don't think he really cares whether this team does well or does badly. And I think he signaled that by like the day after he got there, signing Jarrett Stidham from the Raiders because. If there's anybody who played really well in a, in a backup role last year was Jarrett Stidham randomly coming in for, for Derek Carr when he was hurt last year. So I think that honestly, like if Russell Wilson doesn't have what it takes or kind of just seems like he's not really in it or, or you know, just kind of not really playing well to begin this season, you know, halfway through the season and, and, and they kind of have a losing record or I guess we'll see. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they bench Russell Wilson and just put in Jarrett Stidham because again, this is Sean Payton's team and he is not his, his, his judge of success, or or I guess his justification of his success, is not built upon the success of Russell Wilson. So I, I think that like that's kind of something that people are missing when it comes to oh well you know Sean Payton's the the magic fixer of of men and he's going to come in and, and make Russell Wilson into a Hall of Fame player again. I don't think so. And honestly, I think it's just a scheme shift in the entire NFL. Right? We've seen over the past couple of years, especially in the COVID year where scoring was so high in the NFL and all these, you know, all these quarterbacks had, you know, insane passing numbers and touchdowns and all that. And it's kind of decreased in the last couple of years because defenses as a whole reacted to that and started playing the cover two shells that we see that are very popular now, which is you're not beating us over the top. You're going to just beat us underneath and make short throws or, you know, and kind of, you know, run the ball effectively. And that's how you kind of succeed in the NFL. And we see that happening with Kyle Shanahan, the way he runs the ball. Most defenses are running the cover two shell and they're prepared to start, you know, stop the long pass balls that Kyle Shanahan isn't doing anything like that with San Francisco. The only person who's able to beat these defenses are Patrick Mahomes, which I think says a lot about him to begin with. So, I think that Russell Wilson had a lot of success in that era of football when the long pass was just, it was there for the taking. Everybody was doing it. He's a magician with the long ball. But in the era now where you're facing off against the cover two shells for pretty much our two high shells for pretty much all of your passing downs, and he's not able to get those long balls in there. I, I, I don't see how I don't see how the schemes are really going to mesh. So I know I went on a kind of a diatribe there, uh, but 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 I hope it kind of provides some context into why, like, you can't really just have blind faith. In, in in a great coach and a great quarterback working together all of a sudden who have never worked together before because there's there's sometimes there's different agendas going on there and I think too there's just been a, almost a you know a, a kind of a paradigm shift in the way that the NFL has played in the past couple of years that I think has passed Russell Wilson by and I don't think we see him succeed this year with the Broncos yeah I think you're exactly right Matt I think you definitely hit the nail on the head with your whole analysis of Russell Wilson and Sean Payton that's what everybody's looking at. And 
I put in my notes that Sean Payton and Russell Wilson, that combination needs to work in order for the Broncos to even have any kind of future because they've given up their future for both of those guys. Again, like Matt said, traded so much to Seattle for Russell Wilson and then traded picks to the Saints to get Sean Payton. And then they're also paying both of those guys an immense amount of money. But like Matt said, they have different agendas. And that's a great point that they got these guys at different times. They got Sean Payton because Nathaniel Hackett sucked, right? They wanted to bring Nathaniel Hackett in to be kind of the the savior guy that teams up with Russell Wilson. Nathaniel Hackett kind of the kind of seen as, as a quarterback whisperer with Aaron Rodgers so for so many years in Green Bay. He sucked when he came. He got fired after like eight games with the with, with the Broncos. His first eight games, he was gone. So that didn't work out. And so they kind of panicked and, and went and got Sean Payton, who, like Matt said, has no real obligation to have Russell Wilson by his side and say, oh, it's going to be okay, little boy. I'm going to lead you and I'm not, I'm going to start you no matter what. And you're going to be my little boy because that's, it's not what's going to happen. Let me tell you. And I don't, I don't think it's going to work out. I think Sean Payton and Drew Brees did work out for a reason because they played for so long together, but it's not the same in, in Denver. And it's, it also is a different game defensively. Like Matt said, I think, I think he made a lot of great points in this Broncos segment just to kind of go over their O-line. They beefed up their O-line a little bit, which is good for running backs mainly. And then also, I guess, for Russell Wilson. But if Russell Wilson continues to not be able to make throws, then it won't really matter. And then they got Frank Clark on the defensive end uh, from Kansas City, but didn't have much of a draft class. They got Marvin Mims, who is probably their biggest uh, rookie name, I guess. But we don't really and, know. And they didn't have any him. draft picks because they traded them all to the Seahawks and the Saints yeah. for, for Russell and, Wilson and, and Sean Payton. <laughs> yeah, and they probably won't at least for this year too, maybe even for 2025, it's it's going to be pretty horrendous if this, this doesn't work out, which I don't think it will. I think I'm going to go under eight and a half for, for the Broncos here. Yeah, me too. I mean, I think, you know, again, it's, it's not really, it's, it's, there's, there's just, I think there's just a, a differing opinion that kind of think, or I think that, you know, just kind of the way that this team is structured and everything that, that it's, it's not necessarily, I, I think Sean Payton's the right coach. I think he's the right move. I think the, the Broncos did a great thing by bringing in Sean Payton. But I think it should be noted that the that it, they're not inextricably linked. And two, like the wide receiving core is really good. Like, oh, Corlin Sutton and Jerry Judy and Tim Patrick. Well, Tim Patrick's already out for the season. He's towards he towards ACL in, in practice. Uh, and and Jerry Judy's already out for like four to six weeks because he he tweaked his hamstring or something. So it's like the receiving core that's always that's been supposed to be so great for the last few years is already falling falling apart again. It's like, uh, you know, uh, if this team just could 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 I think stick together, it would be great. But don't think it's going to work out this year. All right, moving on to the Raiders, our last team of the day and our last team of all of the NFL previews. Sorry, Raiders fans, but kind of had to happen this way. Sitting at seven and a half wins, projected wins for this year, which isn't the best number, but also isn't the worst that we've seen. So I guess you you got that, Raiders fans. Uh, Tyree Wilson and Max Crosby. I mean, these guys, they got Tyree Wilson in the draft from Texas Tech. He's a wrecking ball on the defensive line. Max Crosby has been, he's been good. He's just gotten better. I think he's probably one of the most underrated defensive players in the league. Both of these guys on, on either end could give opponents nightmares for days. So look, look for that defensive front to be really the highlight of this team overall. I think, you know, even more like Josh Jacobs had an all pro year last year. I don't think he's going to have it again this year because he's the only part of this offense that really, Teams need to focus on, I guess, Devontae Adams. But when you got a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo throwing you the ball, 
who's pretty mediocre. I, he could turn out to be good, and there's there is an argument for this, but I think the, the, this defensive line is probably the the thing to look at. My argument for Jimmy Garoppolo, my only argument for Jimmy Garoppolo, and then I'll hand it over to Pat, is that the him and Josh McDaniels played in New England together. I mean, I guess Josh McDaniels was in New England for the first one, two years, I guess, that Jimmy Garoppolo was there. I guess the only two years that Jimmy Garoppolo was there. And then Jimmy Garoppolo moved to the 49ers. And then, obviously, since then, Josh McDaniels has taken over the head coaching job in Las Vegas. They're reunited now. We've never really seen them play in the regular season at least together so you know we don't really know if mcdaniels is is gonna be garoppolo's savior in in las vegas but if it does work out we could see a really really good run from this team i mean it's they probably have this team probably has the lowest win total for the highest potential in my opinion because everybody hates on jimmy garoppolo because he's hot and he's and he sucks at football but i mean dude he could be hot and be good at football this year so Let's I mean let's let's give him some credit there. And he's got Devontae Adams to throw to. I mean, that's that that's the number one thing. And then Josh Jacobs as an, a former all pro running back last year. So I don't know. It's it's tough with this Raiders team. I'm interested to see what Matt says and then we'll give our win totals. But yes, go ahead, Matt. I hate the Raiders. I think I think the Ra- this is my hot take for this uh for this episode. I think the Raiders are gonna be the finish with the second worst record in the league. Obviously, the Cardinals are basically bona fide gonna be the worst record in the league. I think the Raiders could be could be like three and 14 bad this year. I called the three and 14 on the, on the bears last year. I'm going to call it for the Raiders this year. The team is horrible. I mean, they were one, they were, I think last or, or like third to last defensively overall last year. And you draft Tyree Wilson. That's great. Max Crosby is a good player and Tyree Wilson could be turned out to be, to be, to be pretty good. And, and, and so you're going to get some push with the defensive line, but that doesn't matter because the defensive backfield and all the linebackers are horrible. Uh, similarly with the offensive line, they're really bad. Josh Jacobs is good. Okay, uh, but there was about a month there where he didn't show up to the facility because he was so mad because he didn't get paid. He finally did get paid, but like those feelings, I think don't don't really go away that easily. Devontae Adams has come out and said that he does not disagree with what, or he no, he does disagree with what management is doing with this team. He doesn't like kind of the you know the the moves they're making, the way they're kind of you know going. He came to the Raiders, I think, in most part to play with Derek Carr, and now Derek Carr is on a different team. Altogether, and finally Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, yeah, I mean, he could be good. Like statistically, he's really good, but I think that is all a product of Kyle Shanahan. I don't think Jimmy G can be a quarterback for a regular team, or at least without the tutelage of Kyle Shanahan behind him. I think Josh McDaniels. I don't think he's a good coach. Like we saw him in Denver, and he was bad, and we saw him in Indy, and he was bad. He's only been good as the offensive coordinator under Bill Belichick, who's arguably who is the greatest football coach of head football coach of all time. So I, there's just so much wrong with this organization and the way that they're, they're, they're just building the team from a completely wrong way. And like the star players that they have all don't want to be there. So like, I just, I, I just, the value, the vibes are all off. Um, I don't think they, I don't think, I mean, they don't have a lot of talent. They're going to get, they're going to get run up every single game. They're going to let up 30 points a game and they're not going to be able to score to compensate that. And they play in a tough division. So like, I I, I don't know. I just, I don't see it with the Raiders this year. I think they're going to be really, really bad. All right. Well, that, um, yeah, I guess, I guess Matt's going under. I'll probably go under as well because Matt's right. The, the, the whole culture there is, is just kind of out of whack and, you can't really if 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 a team can't gel together, no matter how promising and 
good looking your quarterback. I'm kidding. I'm gonna stop saying that. But um, yeah, no matter how promising your quarterback and all and head coach may look because they've been together before, it doesn't really matter if if the whole culture is is off, especially with your your best players coming out and and actually saying that they're not happy with what the organization is doing. That's pretty bad. So I'm going to go under seven and a half as well. Also to, to just kind of even out the overs and unders that I've given in this episode. So thank you guys for listening. That's going to end off the episode for today. Again, end of NFL previews, NFL, end of football preseason episodes here. Nine of them. It was uh it was, it was a great time. And if you were a part of any of these, thank you so much. And we hope to see you back in the, in the regular season here coming up really soon. I can't wait for, Dude, Chiefs Lions tomorrow is going to be awesome, I think. But yeah, we'll have to wait another day for that. And then this weekend, we may come out with an episode. Maybe we might wait for the season to start just because we don't really have much else to do other than talk about college football, I guess, maybe on Saturday. But we'll see. We'll see how it goes. So, yes, thank you guys so much for listening um, and the continued support. We will be back probably next week, hopefully next week, with a episode regarding week one. That's that's the goal. And so we're going to set that as the goal on our agenda. We're going to head out now, though. So you guys have a great rest of the week and we will see you guys next week. Hopefully.